0: Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible, and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Rob has written dozens of books with titles like The Red Sea Rules, Then Sings My Soul, and Reclaiming the Lost Art of Biblical Meditation. Recently, Rob began a video teaching series entitled The 50 Final Events in World History, The Book of Revelation Demystified. You can use this self-paced video study for individual or group use. It includes downloadable visual aids for personal reference or for Bible teachers who want to teach this material to others. Visit robertjmorgan.com slash courses and use the coupon code podcast at checkout for a special listeners discount. And now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello there. I want to thank you for joining me again for an in-depth Bible study as we try to do every week. I was trained years ago by some mentors that I really appreciated to be an expositor or to try to be. That is, they told me to dig into the scriptures deeply chapter by chapter as it was laid out verse by verse as it flowed out of the mind of God and to seek to interpret these words correctly and to trust them and to obey them explicitly. Psalm 119 verse 130 says the unfolding of your word gives light, and I think we especially need to do that whenever we're troubled, whenever our thoughts are distressed, whenever our spirits are low, and on those occasions when anxiety comes calling. Millions of people are anxious right now for medical and economic reasons, and every one of us has to wage a continual war against worry and anxiety. I know that I do, Over the years, I've always sought to turn to the Bible for help. I've also, on occasion, turned to my doctor, or to a good counselor, or to uh, some good books, or maybe to some good friends. All of these are important, and we thank God for every one of them, but I wanna tell you, nothing equals the Word of God. I just don't think there is anything in the world better than Bible therapy. There are three great passages about worry in the Bible, that seem, from my perspective at least, to be foundational on the way the Bible approaches personal worry. I know there are many verses in the Bible on this subject, but in my my mind's eye, I, I see them as coming from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and it's as though that the three members of the Trinity come down, and they surround me, and they say, what's bothering you? And God the Father answers, and Psalm 37 with the words, Do Not Fret, which we have looked at on previous episodes of this podcast series. The first eight verses of that chapter are well worth memorizing, and in fact, I have them out on my counter in my bedroom now so that I'll see them every time I pass. I keep quoting them over and over again, and I want to uh, make sure they sink into my mind just a little bit more and i'll quote it again for you the way that i memorized it which was in the new king james version do not fret because of evil doers nor be envious of the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness delight yourself also in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the lord Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. That wonderful passage, the first eight verses of Psalm 37, are words of advice, really commands. From Jehovah Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob, the God of David. He is the great source and center of the Psalms, our God is. And he tells us, do not fret, Psalm 37. And now we've been looking more recently into the New Testament And at what Jesus Christ has to say, if he were to say, what's bothering you? And you told him, I think that he would quote to you the words that he said in the New Testament and Matthew chapter six in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. Here, Jesus says, do not worry about your life. This passage is in Matthew six, verses 25 through 34. And Jesus in this passage gives us seven reasons to fight off worry and to cast it out of our hearts. Sometimes we have to cast out worry, and there are seven reasons to do so. First, because life is much more than the accumulation of the things that we have or that we don't have or that we are worried about. Jesus said in verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your lives, what you will eat, or about your bodies, what you will drink. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Yes, it is more. It's so much more. In John 10, 10 Jesus told us that he had come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, command those who are rich In this present age, not to be haughty nor to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Jesus tells us not to worry because our lives are so much more than the accumulation of the things we have or don't have or are worried about. The second reason to cast out worry is because, logically speaking, if God cares for the hierarchy of creation below us, like the birds, he will surely take care of us. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The third reason is in the next verse, Matthew six twenty-seven. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer is no. The opposite occurs. Worry can decrease our lives in terms of both quality and quantity, but it cannot increase them in either. It's a worthless and, yes, even a harmful activity. The fourth reason is that worry betrays a lack of faith in our Heavenly Father. Look at verses 28 through 30. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This is a furthering of our Lord's argument about the hierarchy of creation. The grass of the field is a level below the birds, since grass doesn't have a brain or the attributes of an animal and yet how beautifully God creates His flowers. He dresses each one up like a Parisian designer. Outside my office door along the side of the patio is a row of catmint. This little shrub or herb comes up year after year, thick and tickled to be back after the winter, and it can't wait to send up little purple flags of purple flowers that remind me a great deal of lavender and every tiny blossom is different, and taken together, it's a gorgeous walkway. Now, if God knows how to blanket the earth with flowers, like a global florist, and if He does it freely and for all, don't you think that He can provide some underwear for you, or the coat you need, or the shoes you need for your foot? Don't you think that He can take care of everything you need, If he cares for his lower creation, he will surely care for you. But Jesus was not just repeating a prior point. He was adding to it. He ended that statement by saying, O you of little faith, and that's the fourth reason to wage war against worry. It is tantamount to discounting and disregarding God and his attributes and his promises. So all of that is a review of earlier episodes. So now let's continue with Matthew 6, 31. And the fifth reason we shouldn't worry, it gives us the same mindset as unbelievers. When we worry, we are acting like pagans. This is what Jesus said, verses 31 and 32. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The fifth reason why Jesus didn't worry is that worrying and fretting and anxiety gives us the same mindset as unbelievers. The pagans and the heathen are focused only on the things of time and space, only on the things of this world, only on their few fleeting days on earth. And worry they should. I'm not trying to abolish worry or anxiety. Only among the followers of Christ, everybody else should be worried. Don't you think so? I'll tell you who should be worried today. I'll tell you who should be so worried they can't sleep at night. I'll tell you who should be so worried they can hardly function. It's the man or the woman who cannot say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's the man of the woman who cannot say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It is the man of the woman who cannot say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is the man of the woman who cannot say, and I shall live in the house of the Lord forever. It's the man of the woman who cannot say, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Without God and without Christ, we are without hope in the world, and that's something to worry about. But not for you and me. It's for us to sing, like a river glorious is God's perfect peace, over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day, perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. Now, let's go on to the sixth reason not to worry, which is in verse 33. Instead of running after all of the material things in life, we should seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Verse 33, one of the most familiar verses in the Bible says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be given to you as well. Let me give you an old, tried-and-true paraphrase of this verse. If you take care of the things that are important to God, He will take care of the things that are important to you. Years ago, I read a story about this that I've never forgotten. J. Hudson Taylor, the missionary pioneer to China and the founder of China Inland Mission, now OMF, left behind him generations of tailors who would take up his torch, But perhaps none of his descendants ever faced a greater crisis than James and Alice Taylor who served the Lord in China during the very dangerous 1930s. Therefore, children were trapped in boarding school in Chaifu when the Japanese invaded there in 1937. Communication and transportation became impossible and the only news that was circulating in the area was horrible stories of Japanese atrocities. Alice's imagination played havoc with her as she pictured her children caught there in that school, that missionary boarding school, being starved or killed or forced into battle or abused in some way. Her fears deepened upon learning that the very school her children were in at Chifu had been occupied now by Japanese troops and the children were being forced into what amounted to a concentration camp. Months stretched into years, and the strain seemed unending. Her worst moment came upon hearing of the attack of Pearl Harbor. A bad situation for expatriated Americans became desperate. Alice recalls, kneeling by her bed and whispering, Oh, dear God, my children, my children. Waves of anguish racked her body, and then paralyzing fear, and then gulping sobs, Dear God, are they even alive? Please help my children. Suddenly, her mind traveled back to the words of her old minister, a man she called Pa Ferguson, who once told her, Alice, if you take care of the things that are dear to God, he will take care of the things that are dear to you. That was an old tried and true translation of Matthew 6.33. But seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let me repeat it. If you take care of the things that are dear to God, he will take care of the things that are dear to you. And suddenly a deep peace came into Alice's heart and replaced her agony. Though she did not know whether her children were dead or alive, she realized that the war itself had not changed God's promise, or his power, or his providence. She earnestly committed her children to his keeping, and then she got up to do the work of God. Day after day, she took care of the things dear to him, teaching and comforting and treating the sick and reaching the Chinese with the gospel. And the assurance stayed with her that God was taking care of those dear to her. More months passed, and Alice later wrote, I longed to hear some word, just to know. And as I sat one September evening in our home during a faculty meeting, my mind wandered once again to the children. Again I pictured them as I had seen them last, waving goodbye. I heard their voices faintly, calling excitedly. Then I heard their voices louder. Was I imagining this? No. Their voices were real, and they came bursting through the doorway. Mommy, Daddy, we're home, we're home, and they flew into our arms. Our hugs, our shouts filled the room. We couldn't let go of one another. It had been five and a half long grueling years, yet there they were, thin, but alive and whole and laughing and crying. Alice Taylor had taken care of the things that were important to God, and he had taken care of what had been dear to her. And that brings us to the last reason we shouldn't worry. Verse 34, Jesus said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is almost too simple to even interpret. The seventh reason why we shouldn't worry is if we trust God for just today and do the best we can, he will take care of tomorrow, and tomorrow will take care of itself. So let me review. If you gave Jesus a little note telling him what was bothering you, what would he say? Well, here in Matthew 6, he would give you several reasons not to worry. He would say worry is more than the accumulation of the things of life, more than the things you're worried about. If God takes care of all of His creation beneath you, He will certainly take care of you. Worry is a worthless activity. It betrays a lack of faith. It gives you the same mindset as unbelievers. But on the other hand, if you take care of the things that are dear to God, He'll take care of the things that are dear to you. And if you follow the Lord the best you can today, He will certainly take care of tomorrow. I'm normally not a big fan of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, the message. But one day, a couple of years ago, musician Mark Lowry visited my wife Katrina and me in our home, and he quoted this very passage from the message. And it was such an encouragement to us that I'm going to end this episode with Matthew 6:25 through 34 from that version. If you decide for God, living a life of God-worship It follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever gotten taller so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think that it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to be not so preoccupied with getting, so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and and how He works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get so worked about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Well, what a wonderful passage we've been looking at. Next week, we're going to go on and spend a couple of weeks talking about what God the Holy Spirit says about our anxieties. And the passage, if you want to read ahead, is from Philippians chapter 4. So stay tuned. You can access this entire series of podcasts by visiting my website at robertjmorgan.com podcast. And while you're there, check out my books, including 100 Bible Verses That Everyone Should Know By Heart, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, and the book Worry Less Live More, which is on the same subject. I am happy that you've tuned into this podcast. It was produced by Joshua Rowe and Clearly Media, edited by Elijah Rowe, music by Jordan Davis. This is Robert J. Morgan. Thank you for listening.